Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. I don't do a lot of speaking because something happened in the world. I usually have messages that I've been preparing, but I really, really felt directed to preach a message, a little bit in response to what has been going on in Charlottesville, Virginia. How, I mean, you know, that's just another thing that has been happening in our world as we watch the divide in our country, as we watch the polarization of our country, whether it's politics or whether it's race. I mean, it is just polarizing. And so it's incredibly sad that people are being injured and some have died from such hateful, vengeful, spiteful venom that is being spewed forth. You know, no matter how these things end, everybody loses something. That's a fact. There is no win-win in this situation. There's only lose-lose. And here's the truth. Racism is real. Prejudice is real. People are hated because of the color of their skin, gender, religion, politics, and we can go on. The truth is we have to understand that there is injustice in the land. All right? That's a fact. And some people do face more injustice than others, and that's a fact. The truth is it's real, and we must acknowledge it's real, rather than an attempt to minimize it. And let me know something about minimizing it makes us feel a little better. Right? But how do we, the church, how do we deal with it? I mean, after all, there isn't any prejudice of racism that exists within the church, right? There's no prejudice in the church, right? Let me tell you, there's none in the kingdom, but sometimes in a church there is. <laughs> there's none in the kingdom, but in the church Sometimes there is. So I'm going to take a portion of Scripture. It's in Luke chapter 9. If you turn there in your Bible, in your, on your iPhone, on your iPad, whatever you're using, if you would turn there, I think what they should do for pastors is make a page-turning app on phones. So it just sounds like everybody's turning in their Bible. Remember the day we used to hear everybody turning in their Bible? We need some. Everybody go like this. <laughs> Y'all are weird, you know that? All right. You see, there's a portion of Scripture here that deals with the Samaritans and the Jews. The hatred and the hostility between the Samaritans and the Jews went back centuries. Roughly, at that point, 700, over 700 years. But for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into the detailed history of the hostilities or why. Let's just say it's sufficient enough to say it was at least threefold. It was certainly racist. It was certainly religion. And it was certainly politics. All right? And so you can go back and you can detail this on your own. I'm not going to do that today. But let's read it. It says, when the days were approaching, verse 51, when the days were approaching for his extension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and he rebuked them and said, you don't know what kind of spirit you're of, for the Son of Man did not come destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. This is a I just love this portion of Scripture, all right? It's, I honestly think sometimes that Jesus leads us in a direction sometimes to expose to us what's in our hearts. Have you ever had Jesus expose what's in your heart? 
It's like, man, I didn't know that was there. I wish that wasn't there. I need to do something about that. How many know James and John just had one of those encounters? But listen, let's begin with this. So here's the deal. So Jesus does this. He sends him ahead into a Samaritan village. He could have sent him to a Jewish village. Sends him to a Samaritan village to prepare for him. But the Bible says they didn't receive him. Hmm. Why? Because he was traveling to Jerusalem. Isn't this interesting? On what basis did they reject Jesus? Jesus was a Jew. His disciples were Jews. He was heading to Jerusalem. Up to this point, you got to remember saying, Jesus had already dealt with and been in Samaria when he dealt with the woman at the well. If you do a chronological harmony of the Gospels and you do the timeline, Jesus had already been in Samaria dealt with the woman at the well, and it, how many know, it resulted in a revival in Samaria. Jesus had already healed the Samaritan woman's daughter who was demon-possessed. Remember her? And so you got Jesus showing up to a Samaritan village where he's now being rejected. Why would you reject somebody who brought a revival to your land, and why would you reject somebody who's healing the daughters of your land? Interesting. They rejected him. They didn't reject Jesus because of Jesus, but rather because of where Jesus was going. They didn't reject him necessarily just because, because of his actions, well, listen to this for a moment, but rather the actions of his forefathers and their forefathers. Jesus wasn't racist. He was a Jew, but he wasn't racist. On what basis are they rejecting Jesus? They are rejecting Jesus based upon their own prejudices of their forefathers and the forefathers of Jesus. How many know sometimes we find ourselves doing things based upon what our forefathers did? Okay, we're we're caught in a racist war in our country by some choices, by a lot of choices of forefathers, and we're finding ourselves perpetuating this thing if we're not careful. All right, they didn't reject Jesus because of the prejudice of Jesus, they rejected him because of their own prejudice. Now, okay. The Samaritans, out of their own prejudice, reject Jesus. The disciples saw this, James and John. They see this rejection of Jesus out of the prejudice of the Samaritans. And now, out of their prejudice, they say to Jesus, how about we wipe them out? (laughs) Okay, here you go. Hang out with Jesus for a while, and you come to a conclusion, we should wipe out whole villages. Okay, all right. They were willing to dismiss a people group whom they disliked to begin with. How many know you have much more grace for your family than you do a stranger? You have much more grace for people you like than people you don't. Aren't you glad grace isn't dependent on who likes you? Hmm? It's amazing to me over the years how I've watched how we've had to deal with situations. I've watched people deal with situations. And grace is easily extended to people they like, people they think are nice, people they think deserve it. But give me somebody that people don't like, don't think deserve it, and it's a lot harder to give them grace. Can anybody admit to that in their own life? That there's some people I can give grace to and there's some people like, okay? They were willing to dismiss a people who were unlike them. They were willing to destroy a group that they'd already had deep hatred for anyhow. They were continuing a 700-year divide through their own ignorance, their own prejudice, and their own hatred. Rather than becoming someone who would help to end these hostilities, 
they perpetuate it. How many know we, as the people of God, are not called to perpetuate the hostility of our land, but rather help to bring a, a stop to it? That's the place of the body of Christ. That's the place of the kingdom of God. We are not called to perpetuate the war. We are called to end it. We are called to bring reconciliation. We are called to be a part of that process. Is it possible? Listen to me. Is it possible? But watch this. There's a whole village rejects him. And I believe it's based upon the prejudice. Obviously it says because he was going to Jerusalem. That reject him because of war that's been going on for 700 years. They reject Jesus. Is it possible that some people reject our Jesus not because of Jesus, but because of us. Is it possible that some people reject our Jesus because of the prejudices we've had against them for years? Is it possible that some people reject Jesus because we present him sometimes, let's face it, sometimes we present him as a white middle-class dude? He ain't a white middle class dude, right? And then you got another group that want to present him as some, something else. And they want to, their affinity group, their race group, their, their, we all know he was Baptist. And of course, all of us Pentecostals, we know that he was Pentecostal, right? And, and we'll just perpetuate the war that's been going on in that thing for years. Jesus was seen by the Samaritans through the spectrum of their own prejudice that was shaped and formed through years of division caused by mutual racist prejudices that divided a people. Now watch this. So, the, so they're rejecting him. Now, the disciples look at Jesus and they say this, Lord, yeah. do you want us to command fire down from heaven and consume them? How many of you sometimes just secretly fantasize about having that kind of power? <laughs> who, who would you destroy today? <laughs> I've seen fire from heaven once in a while. Yeah, usually when I mess up and Penny catches me like, Wah! What, what kind of question is this? What, think about this. These are guys walking with Jesus. What kind of question is this? Do you want us to call out fire and kill them? It's the same type of question that has the tone, they should just drop a bomb on the whole Middle East and be done with it. How many times have you heard that one? How many times have you said it? Never mind. Or it's the same tone that says they should just let all the drug addicts die. Oh, yes, you're ignorant. Or whatever statement you want to come up with. It's, it's interesting to me. The first term that they first term they use is Lord. Lord. Really? Hmm? This word means the possessor and disposer of a thing. The person or thing belongs about which he has the power of deciding. The owner, the one who has control, the master, the sovereign, the prince, the chief. All right? It's a title of respect and reverence. It's the title that was given to Jesus. Okay? So they're saying, Lord, Master, Sovereign, Savior, Prince, Master. They knew who he was. They recognized him as Lord of their lives. They recognized him as Master. They recognized him as Sovereign and Prince and Chief. They recognized who he was, but they missed what he was about. There's a lot of people that recognize Jesus for who he is, but miss what he's about. They recognized him as Lord, but they missed him as redeemer of all humanity. 
They, they recognized him as Lord, but missed him as Savior of the world. The world. They, missed, they recognized him as Lord, but missed him as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And that included the Samaritans. They knew who he was, but they missed who he was. They knew who he was, but they missed what he was about. They recognized him as Lord, but missed his purpose. Because they didn't understand who Jesus really was, they were willing to destroy a whole village. You cannot speak such venom out of your mouth and know who Jesus truly is. These guys come to, these people come to a Charlottesville, Virginia. I don't, I'm not, the issue is the issue, whatever. Fight about what you want. Stupid to me. You're going to fight over a stupid statue anyhow. All right, and everything else. But it's not about us. How many know it's not about a statue? Hmm? But you come, and you come there, and you come with hatred, and you come with venom in the name of God. They ain't speaking for my God. And they're not speaking for me. Because they didn't understand who Jesus was, they thought they could do a racist work in the name of Jesus. Lord, you want us to destroy this city? You want us to destroy this village? Because they weren't connected to his heart, they thought they, would do, they could do his work. These hate groups think they're actually Christian. They think they're doing God's work. They think they're working for him. They think they're performing a work for him. They plan and devise evil in his name that gives the rest of us a bad name. Listen to me. They're not Christian. They're not. Nobody with a thread of common sense can connect what they do to the teachings of Jesus. Nobody. Knowing the identity of Jesus wasn't enough. How many know you got to know his heart too? Hmm? He says, Lord, do you want us to command fire from heaven? <laughs> Jesus handpicked these guys. <laughs> Ever think he went like this? Oh, <laughs> hmm? Now look at, look at this. Just prior to this, let me read your scripture. Just prior to this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. Uh-oh. Now, okay, and he said this to them, don't go into, among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. It wasn't because he was racist. It was a timing issue. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you receive, freely give. All right? So just prior to this, Jesus gives them authority over demons, sickness, disease, to do a work in his name. And because of the deep-seated prejudice existed in their hearts, they were offended by the rejection of Jesus. Because of that, they now wanted to use this newfound authority to destroy a people. Hey, we got power. We got authority. We we can do something about this. Maybe I can take this authority and this power and we'll destroy them in your name. He gave them power and authority to redeem, heal, repair, deliver, set free, bring hope, restoration, etc. Instead, they used it, they wanted to use it as a weapon against the people. The misuse of authority always destroys people. God gave kings in the Old Testament for the benefit of the people. But as soon as evil plans were devised in their heart, there was ill that happened to the people. God would give prophets authority they were supposed to use for good. And times they would use it for evil. The authority that God has given to his church is never to be used for prejudicial, racist, perpetual, yeah, I can't even say that, blah, 
to perpetuate the stuff that has been happening for centuries. The authority that God has given his church is not an authority to harm, maim, hate, and destroy. It's not an authority to be used to perpetuate any of that, but rather it's been an authority to counteract this nonsense. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Let me use my newfound authority that you gave me to call fire down from heaven to destroy them. Um, excuse me. Can I just tell you, if God wanted to destroy them, he didn't need James and John to do it. Can I tell you, if you think the fire of heaven is to be used to satisfy your thirst for blood, you don't know about heaven. Think about this. Would they have, done, would they have said this same thing had it been a Jewish village? No. No. It's amazing what we're willing to allow God to do or want God to do when it's not connected to us. Drop a bomb in the Middle East. I don't live there. <laughs> Think about this for a moment. This is coming from his disciples. What does Jesus do? But Jesus turns. The Bible says, and he rebuked them. <laughs> he rebuked them. You ever been rebuked? I've been rebuked. It means to chide or reprove or to censure severely, to admonish or charge sharply. Jesus turned and looked at his students, his disciples, his followers, and he rebuked them. He reproved them. See, here's the deal. Let me tell you what I don't expect. I do not expect those who don't know Jesus to act like Jesus. I don't expect, I don't expect the ungodly to act godly. I don't expect those who don't know Jesus to act like Jesus. But yet we in the church, for some reason, are expecting the world who, know, who doesn't know Jesus to act like Jesus. They're not going to. You know why? Because before you were saved, you didn't act like Jesus either. And even afterwards, it's a stretch some days. Amen? Okay? But I do expect those who say they know Jesus to act and think and speak like Jesus. And guess what? Jesus expects it too. I expect those who say they are Christ followers, not just Christians, because that term has become so messed up now. These people think they're Christians. They're not. They're not Christ followers. I expect Christ followers to act like him, think like him, speak like him, love like him, give like him. And when they don't, they need to be rebuked by him in order to bring their alignment into thinking with him. The reason that Jesus and the Holy Spirit rebukes his disciples is to bring our thinking into alignment with his thinking. The reason that you disciplined your children and rebuked them was to bring their actions and their thinking into alignment with your will. Amen? I mean, that always didn't go well. So you did it again, and you did it again, and you did it again. You didn't change your thinking to their thinking. Sometimes I feel like we're trying to change Jesus to think like us. Listen, when it doesn't line up with the words of Jesus, it's not Jesus. When it doesn't line up with heaven, it's not heavenly. When it doesn't line up with heaven, it's not the kingdom of God. We were talking Wednesday night. When you make this prayer, Jesus says to pray like this. One of the things he said was to pray, your kingdom come. 
If I'm going to pray that prayer, how many of you would like to pray with me? God, your kingdom come. Okay, forget that part. <laughs> Does anybody want his kingdom to come upon our city? Okay, I just, oh my gosh, maybe not. Upon the kingdom, an economy of this city, I want his kingdom to come. The addiction issue of this city, I want his kingdom to come. The racial divide, I want his kingdom to come. <coughs> I want that to happen. But, <coughs> excuse me. But when you pray, your kingdom come, what you got to do is you're making a prayer that you got to say, I'm going to come into alignment with that prayer. I can't make that prayer without being willing to bring my life into the alignment with that prayer. Sometimes we say the prayer, but we don't line our life up with it. Your kingdom come. Their thinking lined up with their forefathers, not with Jesus. Sometimes we follow the thinking of our fathers, our grandparents, and generations, and that thinking is not Jesus. We can do it on all different levels. Their thinking lined up with years and years of indoctrination in their lives. Their thinking plus the rejection of Jesus brought them to a place of having an unchristlike thought process. Now Jesus brings a rebuke to realign their thinking, to bring their thinking into alignment with him, to bring their heart into alignment with his heart, and now their head and their heart should now begin to think and to beat with Jesus. We must have our thinking aligned with the thinking of Jesus and his kingdom. We must have our hearts in rhythm with heaven. We must allow ourselves to be charged by Jesus that brings us to a place of repentance, confession, conviction, and alignment. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus rebuked him. How did he rebuke him? He rebukes him. He says, you don't know what spirit you're of. How would you like to have been Peter that day whenever he says, Lord, you can't go to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. How would you like to have been that? How would you like to have been Peter that day? Hmm? And now he looks at these guys and says, you, you don't know what kind of spirit you are. You don't know what kind of spirit you're of. Oh, man. A spirit. This word is used for demons and evil spirits. The disposition or influence which fills and governs our souls. Racism and prejudice is a spirit. Who wants to align with a demonic spirit? Who would knowingly align themselves with a spirit? I got an idea. Let's just do something crazy today. I mean, something that's never been done in church before. How would that be? Okay? I got an idea. Let's kill Dick. Who wants to help? You're a lucky man. Yeah. I'd have got one. Where's out? You're out. Who wants to join me to kill Dick? I don't know. Dave, Dave's back here looking. He's like, he's kind of like, look at him. I, I, Dave's kind of thinking about it. He's going, hmm. Who, who, who? Would, who would join me? No, no rational person in this place would join me in killing him. But yet, somehow, we will align ourselves with the spirit, an anti-Christ spirit, if I might say, in destroying a people group that's different than us. It's a spirit. 
in the name of God. And, and it uses the name of God to war against God. When you or I enter into it, we are aligning with an anti-Christ spirit, an anti-God spirit, the spirit of this world. We're aligning ourselves against the very spirit of God that is to dwell within us. The Holy Spirit never feeds that garbage. And we do it in ignorance. John Tillotson said this, let us never do anything for religion which is contrary to religion. Let me give it to you this way. My version, we can't do something for Christ if it's contrary to Christ. We just can't. Racism is real. It's demonic. It's a perpetuation of something that started long before many of us. Sometimes it's perpetuated by us. It's a dismissal of a group by race, sex, etc., and even attempts to use God to justify it. And, and so I'm going to give you a few things. I'm going to be done in just a few minutes. But how, how do, you know, and I begin to say, how do we, how do we combat this? How do we take a stand against this? And yet, and so there's just a few things, and I wrote them down this morning early. Uh, let me give them to you. There's no really rhyme or reason to them. Like, uh, but I'll give them to you this. This is what I'm going to say. First of all, we've got to commit to some things. Okay? How many would say today that you would commit to being governed by God? That we would be governed by God? Not governed by politics. Not governed by denominations. Not governed by race. Not governed by being a Republican or a Democrat or whatever else. None of that. That we would just say, I'm going to be governed by God. His Holy Spirit lives within me. His Holy Spirit lives within me. And he lives within me to help and to see, to help see and understand the words of Jesus. That the words of Jesus are brought to life in me that puts to death sin, junk, prejudice, anger, resentment, bitterness, and that out of me would flow fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because how many know it's hard to be a racist and have the fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's hard to hate if you're full of the Holy Spirit. We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. That we would say, like the psalmist said in 139, search me, God, know my heart, test me in my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Uh-oh. How many be willing to make that prayer this week? God, test me. Search me. Let me know if there's any evil, offensive way in me. If there's any evil, offensive thinking in me. Some of you are sitting here today and you're offended. I don't know what you're offended over, but the Spirit of God just spoke to me. Some of you are sitting here right this moment, right this very moment, and something has offended you, and the Spirit of God says you need to get over it. Because what's offended is your pride. What's offended is your pride. And God says, get over your pride. Get over yourself. I don't know why God's bringing that up. It was just as clear as day. Clear as day. Search me. That we would commit to being governed by God. And we'd say, Holy Spirit, help me to get rid of the spirit of this world that we've been born into. That we would commit to governing ourselves. I mean, sometimes we have to govern ourselves. All right? Think about this for a moment. Some of us, sometimes we, we want to rail against and take a stand against racism and prejudice and hatred. We can't, we can't govern our own Facebook page. We can, that's where we let our anger out and our rage out because we're in the age of rage. 
And, and that's where we make snarky comments to satisfy our little beefs that we have. Come on, let me know what I'm talking about. We want to stand against racism. We can't control that. Then we commit to governing ourselves. But how about this one? I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about the world. That we would commit to governing each other. Hmm? That we would commit to governing each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the moment that we do it, we're not mad because we did it. I mean, no brothers and sisters in the Lord should be able to look at each other and say, you know, you sound like an idiot. <laughs> okay, maybe not that strong. That's how Peter and I would do it. But literally, that you look at somebody and say, what are you doing, man? There's nothing kingdom about that. There's nothing Jesus about that. There's, there's nothing, like, I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. But there's nothing godly about that. There's nothing Christ-like about that. What are you, what are you doing? And let me give you, can I give you a piece of advice? Don't do it in public on Facebook. <laughs> That's what they make private message for. That's what they make, actually, matter of fact, if you really should do it, you should do it face-to-face. Say, Dick, what are you doing, man? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's what brothers and sisters should be able to do. Cowards hide behind Facebook. Cowards hide behind social media. We commit to governing ourselves. We commit to governing each other. And stop. Here's a word here. Stop. Stop what? We got to stop minimizing the pain of a people group if you haven't been part of that people group. How many times have you ever done this? <laughs> Guilty. This my son, my daughter, my grandchildren. They fall. They smack their head off something. Oh, you're not hurt. You're okay. It doesn't hurt. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> Meanwhile, they got blood gushing from head. You're okay. <laughs> oh, no, it's not bad. <laughs> you didn't fall. You didn't hit your head. You're not the one in pain, but you're now telling them how much pain they should have. <laughs> I'm not black. <laughs> Did you know that? I wasn't born in the South. I wasn't a slave. My family weren't slaves. And I have no idea how to speak to the pain of that injustice. And I certainly can't tell them, get over it. And I certainly can't say to them, it ended, da, da, da. I can't say all the dumb stuff that we say as white middle class northerners. I just can't. I cannot speak to that pain. I can speak... To her about the pain of losing a son. Barb Dobbins can speak about what it's like to lose a son. I can speak to it because I know about it. I've lived it. I've lost a father and I've lost a son. One does not equate to the other. Not that I don't miss my dad a lot. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you. And so sometimes we've got to understand in these issues... There's pain involved in these issues that go back many generations. And God can heal that pain. I'm not going to sit here and say he can't. But I am going to say to you, stop speaking to a pain you know nothing about. Stop speaking to what you can't talk about. You don't know. And stop, stop trying to defend bad behavior by pointing to the other side's bad behavior. I am so sick and tired of this garbage in our country. Okay, I said on Wednesday night, I'll say it again. It has nothing to do with anybody. I've seen a post running for months now. There's been a thing on Facebook running for months by a variety of people, including pastors, that running this post about when President Jackson would have duels with people, shoot them. 
All right? One of them was the occasion of having a duel with somebody because they insulted his wife or something, and so he shot him and, and he killed him. And, and, and it, was, it was almost embracing this activity. And the reason that it was put out was to endorse some of the bad behavior of our current president. Come on, can we stop this lunacy? One, you can't date, where does that reconcile to the gospel? Where does that reconcile to the kingdom? Okay, so listen to me for a moment. We've got to stop saying when we have people that are doing rotten things, terrible things, we've got to stop pointing to the other side and say, yeah, but did you see what they did? And they this and they that. It doesn't matter. It's all wrong. Stop. That's, that's, like, that's like, you know, you, you, you yell at Johnny and he says, well, James is doing it. So what? we got to stop this. Stop defending bad behavior by pointing to other bad behavior. Stop trying to justify actions by pointing a finger at their actions. We are all smart enough to know that there's good and bad on each side of an equation. We're smart enough to know that, aren't we? So how do I do some of this? Let me start with the micro for a minute. Micro means very small, minute, extremely small. Let's start with the micro. Because I mean, you know, sometimes we focus on the macro. I want to end racism. I want to end this prejudice. I want to speak against this. And we need, okay, let's start with the micro for a moment. The micro is, let's begin to work on our own thought life. God, search me, change my heart, change the way I think, change my attitude, change the way I view things. Align me with your thinking. Let's start with the micro that starts with the interactions with our own family. How can you stand against racism when you can't get along with your own family? Let's start with the interactions with your own church. We want, to, we want to come against the injustice of our land. Let's start inside the house of God. Let's start make sure, making sure, ensuring that we walk in unity, ensuring that we're not holding grudges, ensuring we don't have bitterness. Let's start with the micro. How many know the micro will grow into the macro? Let's start with our interaction with our, our own community, our own churches. Let's, let's stop. <laughs> Can we stop the Baptist Pentecostal civil war that's been raging for years? <laughs> can, can, can we stop? Never mind, I won't go there. All right. Can, can we stop the cynicism in our own city? Can we stop the own divide? Can, can we stop? Can we, can we start with the micro? Can we stand against ra- racism? But a micro starting is that we start with our own Facebook, like I said, our own social media, which will grow into the macro. Because how many know? If he begins to change this micro, then we can address the macro. My heart is absolutely grieved over what I've seen happening. Come on, Chris. It's grieved over it. It's hatred. It's demonic. It's not new. Right? It's not new. And where's the church's place in this? The church is place. Listen to me. The church is place. Is to not necessarily take a side, but it is to reveal a kingdom, not of this world. It is to reveal a king and a kingdom, not of this world. Because you and I have a king who is not prejudiced, who is not racist, who is not white, black, yellow, purple, orange, whatever other color you want to use. 
We have a king who didn't come from one ethnic group. We have a king who didn't come from one class. We have a king who died on the cross, not for just one group or one people. The Bible tells me the world. We don't want to be like those who knew him as Lord, Master, and King, and yet didn't have a heart to beat with him. That we would bring our thinking in alignment with our king. We would bring our words into alignment with our king. That we would bring our actions into alignment with our king. That we would be a reflection, an ambassador of a king, not of this world. That we would begin to be shaped and molded by a culture of a kingdom, not of this world. It's a countercultural kingdom. It's a countercultural kingdom. That when we act in accordance, you see, because here's what I believe. I believe that when you and I can get our alignment with the king and his kingdom, there will be less rejection of him and more embracing of him as he is revealed for who he is and what he is. That's the mandate upon our lives. He says, you, you, he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. He said, because I didn't come to destroy people. I came to save them. I came to save them. I came to make a war, and that war isn't between white and black. That war isn't between North Korea and America. That war was on the hell. I came to make a war. All this stuff that's happening in our nation, and our world, all this stuff, that's demonic activity. I ain't partnering with them. I ain't partnering with them. I'm going to wage war against it. By reflecting a king in a kingdom, not of this world. To get in heartbeat with my king. To get in rhythm with my king. To get in beat with my king. To think like my king. To act like my king. To speak like my king. Isn't that what we're called to be? Don't get sucked into the rhetoric. Don't get sucked into the animal that's trying to destroy our nation. Don't get sucked into it. If you have to bite your tongue till it becomes a bloody stump, then you bite it. <laughs> I'm just telling you. If you have to tie your fingers up that you can't type, then tie them up. Until God has arrested your spirit and has directed your words. Come on, stay with me. Want me to be, you, want me, you want me to be ornery for a moment? I wanted to check the time. Not that I really care. I just want you to think I care. It's all a facade. <laughs> but I looked down at my phone to check it and missed a call from my mother. Why is my mother calling me in church? She's right there. If you need me, you can just say, hey, I need you. <laughs> Never miss a chance to harass your mother. Can, can I 
ask you to make a prayer commitment today? I'm not looking for a commitment to the Lord, although today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you may need to make a commitment to him as your Savior. But I want the body of Christ to make a commitment that you would just agree. You don't have to repeat the whole thing. But that you would just agree with me that we would pray something like this. Father, we, come and we, we commit ourselves to have our lives governed by you. Your word. Not our thinking. Not the thinking of our forefathers. Not generational thinking that we grew up with. That our thinking would not be governed by a political party. That our thinking would not be governed by race. But our thinking would be governed by you. That we would commit to that we would say we'll govern ourselves. That there's times when our flesh just wants to act out. It just wants to lash out. It's angry. That we would govern ourselves. That we would lovingly be able to govern each other. As brothers and sisters in Christ. Without the fear of if I say something they're going to hate me. If they say something they won't talk to me. That we can lovingly, listen to me. And we'd also do it humbly because sometimes we could be wrong. But the goal is to ensure that we guard each other for the glory of God. That we guard each other so that a king and kingdom is revealed into this world. Father, we commit ourselves that we would commit to saying we're going to stop. We're going to stop minimizing the pain that we know nothing about. We will try to be better listeners and hearers. That we would stop rationalizing. We would stop justifying. We would stop pointing to bad behavior of the other side because of our own bad behavior. That we would just stop. That we want to be part of the process that can bring a healing to our land. So, Father, we ask you to help us. We commit to your help. We commit to your lordship, but not just in title. And we want to use your authority that you give us in our life for what it's meant to be used for. Redemption, restoration, healing, freedom, deliverance, hope. And so, Father, this day, this house says we commit. We commit. In Jesus' name. And if you agree to that and you commit to that, I just want you to give a big loud amen.